We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 10 Rankings Breakdown Each Position. You can find all of the rankings up on DKPlaybook.com right now or to make it handy for you in the description of this podcast or video. Please remember to smash the like button for the video and tell me the player that I am low on that you are high on in any of the rankings in Week 10. Also, it's Masters Week on the Pat Mayo Experience, along with Week 10 NFL Week. Every week in the NFL is that week on the Pat Mayo Experience, but it's a very special Masters Week. There's already two Masters, three Masters shows out so far up on Mayo Media Network, so please subscribe to Mayo Media Network if you have not already, and even if you just want to dip your toe into the waters of golf, you've never done it before, uh, there's like $7 million or something up for grabs on DraftKings, so I highly suggest you check that out. Also, if you've never heard of it, fantasynational.com is the site to do all your research lineup generators if you're playing on DraftKings uh, I would suggest you go check that out as well that link will be in the description fantasynational.com slash mayo tell them I sent you over there too if you're looking for tools on the football side whether it's a start sit matchup projections DraftKings ownership projections an optimizer ftndaily.com code mayo get yourself a discount it's highly discounted at the moment to keep you in line to see if you want to get it through next year as well i'd say go test the waters of ftndaily.com and just see how good those tools are there's also free tools air yards red zone stuff you can find those in the description of the video as well joining me on the line, someone who got ahead of the 12 p.m. Eastern Time live Masters chat on Wednesday by just asking me questions off air. It's Jake Seeley at TheAthletic.com. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, and if you've known anything from my experience with fantasy golf, uh, you should fade at least two of those guys I told you that I was probably going to play <laughs> because I always get only four. I have yet to get everybody through and anything. I watch everything you do. I love your shows, honestly, like even the golf shows. I'm not trying to, you know, 
powder you up or whatever you want to call it. But I enjoy your golf shows and I listen to everything and I still only get like four or six through. That's why you got to play the 20 lineups, Jake. You can't just have <laughs> one lineup. Come on. That's I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm dipping my toe in. There you go. Um, yes, I actually like your lineup. I'm not using like half those guys, but still, I like it. Oh, so you're good then. You're golden. Yeah. It's, I, it's the Will Fuller rule. I, I hit Will Fuller for the first time ever last week. I'd never get Will Fuller right, and for once I've got him right, so it's it's all downhill from here. Well, the move is just play Will Fuller every week. That's been turning out pretty well for everyone. Uh, that is true. Yeah, but, yeah, I try to do the pick, you know, mix, mix and match, thinking people are going to be off, and so I've always gotten them wrong. Until, him and DJ Moore, I can never get those two right. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I traded away DJ Moore in my keeper league earlier this season. I just never use him. Although I won a bunch of money on DraftKings <laughs> this week with the Chiefs stack with Christian McCaffrey. Turns out no one won nice. in Chiefs. Uh, good game to actually end up targeting. And it worked out because I had Tyler Lockett in every other lineup. But because that stack yep. itself was so expensive, I couldn't afford Tyler Lockett. So I couldn't play him. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I did the opposite. I did so well because I had Drew Locke. And Jerry Judy, and I did have Dalvin Cook. Uh, there was a few lineups where I put Christian. But, but the problem was is because I saved so much, I had like 80% Tyra Lockett. And I also, my other savings was with Justin Jackson. So all those lineups went to crap. Yeah, I actually made a good run in my tournament, the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. You can find the link to that in the description of this video and podcast right now. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, making it the best tournament on drafting spots are filling very yes. quickly in that yeah i needed five more points from jordan howard and i would have got there but you know that's what i get for playing jordan howard he was the minimum i was like i just if i can get like 13 points <laughs> he from got this a guy. touchdown he did i needed 13 points he ended up with seven so that was no good let's, uh. talk, let's talk about the rankings for week 10 like i mentioned you can find them all in the description of the video and podcast and up on dkplaybook.com right now they will be updated every day so if injuries change the rankings are going to change maybe jake will talk me off of some guys injuries for the week so likely in the rankings these guys are ranked so far this week in my rankings if the news changes i will take them out trust me on this one i will do that just for you out there <laughs> christian mccaffrey nick chibb raheem colonel mostart Chris Carson, Daryl Henderson, Matt Breda, Joe Mixon, Tevin Coleman, Jamal Williams, and Devonta Freeman. I have all as in, likely out. Justin Jackson, David Montgomery, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Carlos Hyde, Kenyon Drake, and A.J. Dillon. Out for sure. Jeff Wilson, Austin Eckler, and Miles Gaston. Is Austin Eckler ever coming back? I don't know, honestly. You know, I think that I said it's either you or on our podcast, wherever it was, is I referenced the report coming from the Chargers where they said they expect them later than sooner, which that has to be damning because when is a team ever talking? It's always sooner than later or it's positive. He's looking good. We hope to have him back by whatever. I've never heard a team say, no, he's going to be back later than sooner. Who knows if he's even back for the fantasy playoffs. So if he comes back for week 13, you know, whether or not you're starting or trying to get into the playoffs, do you even trust him in this first game back? And then if he has an off game, do you start him in your fantasy playoffs? Say like you have to see a game first. So I don't know if he is at this point. I've been treating this backfield as I completely want to stay away because they go hot hand in game. And that was even before the Jackson injury. But if Austin Eckler comes back, I don't even expect them to give him the full workload because he just got hurt, you know, just got hurt this year. I mean, you're staying away so much. You use Justin Jackson on DraftKings and he got you zero points. <laughs> that was DraftKings. Seasonal is different. I, I haven't had him in seasonal either. So, by the way, the for Seinfeld reference over there, I was scratching my nose when you just came back to me. I oh, wasn't yeah. doing the pick. <laughs> ah, okay. 
I see. You know, I can't see you, so I, I didn't even pick up on that. So for the viewers... As they, I finished explaining it, yes. Ah, yes, <laughs> they, they can find out now. So the rankings themselves, number one, Alvin Kamara comes in first in the rankings uh, at home against the Niners. Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, James Robinson, Christian McCaffrey dealing with the shoulder problem. We'll talk about his situation in a second. I have Miles Sanders returning. He's at the Giants. That sounds good. Chris Carson, also I have returning right now. He's at the Rams. Josh Jacobs, Chase Edmonds into James Conner, who's a bit banged up. Nick Chubb, who looks like he's going to return. Duke Johnson assuming potentially the full workhorse role in the Texans' backfield if David Johnson is out. Tony Gibson, Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, maybe he'll come back. Ryan Nall filling in for David Montgomery. Raheem Mostert, he could could be back. Uh, Leonard Fournette and DeAndre Swift. Those are the top 20. This is a... It's not a brutal week, because I think all those guys are entirely playable if the situations break right for them, but with injury concerns and some guys like 50-50, as we talk about it on a Tuesday, I mean, you could lose like five of those guys right away if you went and go pick them yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely lose five, maybe six or seven, I mean, if you fully count everybody. The one I'll bring into this conversation is you have Ryan Null. Uh, this is what I put in my waiver column. I just wouldn't be sh- surprised if I almost said surprise shocked. That was the same word there. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought up Lamar Miller from the practice squad because Ryan Null really isn't the answer. And you're not giving Cordell Patterson 15 carries. They're going to keep him in that table in Austin role, despite the fact he looks pretty good back there. But I would be surprised if Lamar Miller makes his way up. And if Lamar Miller is called up off the practice squad, I would think he leads this backfield. We see Alfred Morris out there looking better at times than uh, Wayne Gallman. So, and Alex Collins got called up last week, got a few touches for the Seahawks. So it's not inconceivable that calling somebody off off the practice squad all of a sudden ends up being your top guy. I mean, hell, Kalen Balaj, when Justin Jackson went down just last week, was the guy over Joshua Kelly. So I would just put that out there. If Lamar Miller is called up, I would put him probably not quite as high, but I would put him over Ryan Null. Oh, yeah, I think I would as well. But until that information actually comes out that they right, have activated right. him, this is how the ranking's got to go. And at the moment, it's Cordero Patterson and Ryan Null. Uh, so this is just a pure volume base. But that's I wouldn't all. have him that high, though. I'm just thinking about volume in this situation. Maybe you could talk me into Bellage, but I do think that the Chargers still ride the hot hand, that if Josh Kelly... Apparently, the, right. the problem with Joshua Kelly right now is that like when he fumbled earlier this year, it really rattled him. That, that was what has come out of Chargers camp, and that's why they're not using it as much, because he's lost faith in himself, Jake. So maybe, is that what it is? Uh, apparently so. You need so. to talk to Nelson Aguilar, get the, get the confidence back from college days. Maybe that's what... Why do coaches keep doing this? I mean, with the Jonathan Taylor situation last week, we're talking about the Ravens' defense, and Jonathan Taylor looked great to start that game against the Ravens' defense, and then fumbles, and it's, oh, guess what? You get one more touch the rest of the game. You tell me that's not going to mess with his head? It should. I mean, maybe these, maybe it's like a, you know, to tie in the Masters. Maybe all these guys are like Dustin Johnson. You know, you hit the ball in the water. It's like, eh, whatever. On to my next shot. <laughs> <laughs> completely There's unfazed. Just it out there? Yeah, just completely unfazed by everything that's going on. Just a very, uh, your heart rate doesn't go up and down. It's just a very steady pace uh, the entire way. But, so, go ahead. I was going to say, for Ryan Nall, your full point PPR, I would start McKissick over Ryan Nall. I would start... Mm, I was going to say Dobbins and Lindsay, probably. I would put him right there, one spot in front of Breed. I just don't trust Ryan Null. I'm not a Ryan Null guy. I think Ryan Null is just a guy. I think he's very similar to Jordan Howard, who used to be on this team. The fact that, all right, go run ahead. Actually, Kalen Balaj is another perfect example. Like, I just kind of feel like that's what you expect from Ryan Null. Maybe he gets 15 carries for 
53 yards and you hope he scores where I would rather, especially cause you're full point PPR for your rankings. No, I'm, I'm, ha- I, been... I'm, I'm half point PPR for the rank. Oh, that's right. You made the transition this year. I love it. I'd still go McKissick. I would still go Dobbins for the upside against the Patriots. The Patriots can be run on. Uh, they are a tough matchup as well, but it just really comes down to, I just don't, I know it's a better matchup by far. I just don't trust Ryan. Null. I, I guess the big differentiator for me is, if there is no Lamar Miller, was the usage of Ryan Null in the passing game against Tennessee last week? He ended up with four catches. Like, if he's going to be, that's the big difference between him and Jordan Howard. I really wanted Jordan Howard to just be like, oh, if he's on the field a whole bunch, maybe he just ends up with like three checkdowns for three yards. Hey, there's three and a three point three points. Perfect. <laughs> Null actually seems to have that role where if there, if he's going to be the guy who's on the field seventy five percent of the time. Just through osmosis, he's going to backdoor his way into some of these receptions because you know Nick Foles <laughs> doesn't have the most time in the world. And he's just kind of dumping it down. <laughs> well, he's going to slowly absorb himself through the defense. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I do think that there is enough there. Plus, if he handles the goal line work, that's what I want to see. That was kind of my case against Dobbins last week and why like him and Edwards are so close together that if they have the ball on the one-yard line, either Lamar is taking it in or they're giving it to Gus Edwards. Right. Regardless if he wants yeah. to hand the ball to the other team, like on the goal line or not, they're still going to go back and give it to him. Uh, yeah. And that's certainly fine. You know, in my waiver column, I even mentioned the Joshua Kelly thing. I said, if you're going to just tell me who I want, I'm still going to pick up Joshua Kelly on the talent. You can't, you can't wipe my memory clean of everything we've seen from Kalen Balaj to date. You know, maybe I always make the case like, oh, if you strip the name off the jersey, what would you think of the guy? But the Kalen Balaj has enough of a history now where it's like, is that just a one week fluke? You know, it's we've seen guys come in quarterback position wise, running back wise, come in mid game and surprise. And it was very early in that game. He looked better than I've ever seen him before. I will admit, I still can't get behind Kalen Balaj. And I think maybe that's part of it. I, I will happily be wrong on Ryan Nall just because I just don't like Ryan all as a talent for the NFL. Like, could he surprise you're you're hundred percent right. He has used more in the passing game than Jordan Howard. I just, even Mostert in his first game back again, in a, in a bad matchup against the saints, I would play, I would play swift. Uh, you know, I'm, I told you I would go down the list. I would put him all the way down by Matt Breida, but I understand your argument for him. It's a pure volume-based argument. It's the same reason why I still have Chase Edmonds at number 10. Uh, not that Chase Edmonds look good at all. Apparently when you take a, whoever, the Arizona starter is is just bad if they get all of the work. Um, and that's just- <laughs> no, it, was the, it was the conversation we had last week is why people were raging out at me when I said sell Chase Edmonds high before he plays a game. Oh, how do you tell us to pick him up all year long and then say sell high? Because it's context. Like Alexander Madison before earlier this year. Actually, we're just talking about Lamar Miller. Remember when Lamar Miller, everybody wanted to get him away from the Dolphins and give him more touches. And then he got more touches and produced the exact same amount. It was just more inefficient. That's what happened with Chase Edmonds. Now, Chase Edmonds this week against the Bills could easily top 100 yards. But that first game is why sometimes you take advantage of these things. You can It's not mutually exclusive to like stashing somebody and then before they even play a game is sell high on the excitement for him because people were paying RB1 value for Chase Edmonds last week. It was the same reason why I said pick up Antonio Brown, but I personally don't want Antonio Brown because you can trade right. him to someone and get value back. Like That's just a way to make your team better at that point, exactly. whether or not you want the guy or not. But looking at the snap shares from last week, Chase Edmonds played the highest percent of snaps of any running back in the league. It's the same argument as the null argument why duke johnson is going to be up here there are just so few backs that are going to see like 70 plus percent of the snaps and these guys right now fall into that bucket and that's worth something yeah 
And like I said, that's why I understand your argument. I just, I would go, obviously, Edmonds. I mean, you have a much higher, but just me, I'd rather take the limited touches. And I keep, if you notice, I keep skipping over Leonard Fournette because I'm not touching that backfield. Forget the fact that they just set the record for the fewest amount of rushing attempts, which, by the way, won from the quarterback position, so there was only four between the running backs. Forget that. It's Bruce Arians. Ronald Jones started that game again. Ronald Jones started the game, and then they got behind, and it was Leonard Fournette most of the rest of the way in the passing game. We can try to predict game script, but even the game script doesn't tell you what Bruce Arians is going to do in the middle of the game. I'm with you, and I would rank Leonard Fournette higher, but I don't want either one of them in my lineup. When it boils down to this is a nice matchup against the Panthers, obviously. I have Fournette at 19, Ronald Jones at number 35. I think they're like Ronald Jones is a viable back-end flex. That could be two points, <laughs> but he could have one of his Ronald Jones games and score like 30. So that upside needs to be factored into it as well if it swings back to him this week the only thing that does seem rather consistent at least the past few weeks is that regardless of what happens Fournette's gonna get the work out of the backfield in the receiving game predominantly like Jones is gonna get a few but they're actually actively gonna try to throw it to Leonard Fournette sometimes I don't know why but they do (laughs) I think it's kind of like the Broncos even though we don't still understand why Philip Lindsay went from being involved a ton in his rookie season in the passing game to nothing last year for Royce Freeman and still nothing now and Melvin Gordon is it I think it's kind of comparable to those situations it could be a Lindsay game it could be a Gordon game it could be neither just like it was and neither for the same thing for the Bucks. so I think those are two teams that you try again you try to play a game script but don't be surprised if you just get burned by both of them I'm trying to see here if Miles Sanders doesn't go against the Giants where does Boston Scott go I'd say you have to be top 15 and I say top 15 and not top 10 because the Giants defense is actually better than people expected this year and better as a whole. They are still weaker in the passing game because it's Bradbury locking down top wide receivers, but the wide receivers can get away from him like Terry McLaurin. He can get away from James Bradbury because there's just nothing else back there, but their run defense has been really good. That defense as a whole, Patrick Graham is one of the best hires, most underrated hires this offseason because he's dealing with crap on that defense has made it a really good defense. But it's pretty strong against the run or the run up the middle. So I would still put Boston Scott in the top 15 because he can get out in space and catch. But I would still go. I'd actually put him right there with like Kareem Hunt. I would still start Antonio Gibson and Nick Chubb and James Conner, all those. I think that I'd put him right there with Kareem Hunt. Uh, I have Nick Chubb coming back. It does appear like that's going to happen. You're good with Chubb over Kareem Hunt this week. I do think that they'll probably try to ease him back in a little bit, but I would expect him to have more touches than Kareem Hunt does. Yeah, I'm with you. I would have him very similarly ranked. I haven't done mine yet, obviously, but I would have Nick Chubb for my projections. He's going to have more touches, but Kareem Hunt will still be in the mix. It's a really good matchup for both of them as well. My biggest concern, I know we're not talking about that position yet, but my biggest concern here is what happens to Austin Hooper because Austin Hooper's value skyrocketed, well, quote-unquote skyrocketed, when Kareem Hunt went down, and it was, it was coincided with that. And I wonder if just how much Kareem Hunt is used, even with Nick Chubb out there, if he's the one that gets hurt. So I'm okay to come back to the whole conversation that Kareem Hunt is still within inside the top 20. Yeah, I, I just – and especially the loss of Beckham just opened up so many targets in that offense. I think they're going to want to try to keep it on the ground, and the Texans give up the third most fantasy points per game to the running back position. Right. So they should be able to run the ball pretty easily. James Robinson with – the Texans, knowing that he was going to run the ball 25 times, really, like, they contained him, but it's not like they were stopping him, uh, per se. Uh, no. the, the four, what did he get, 99? 
Yeah, 25 for 99. The four worst teams so far this season in average points per game, all giving up more than 30 points per game to the running back position. Uh, the Detroit Lions, the worst, Green Bay, the Houston Texans, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, hence why both Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are ranked inside the top 30 this week. Christian McCaffrey, I have at number six. Obviously, he's dealing with his shoulder problem. He's playing the Bucs. Um, I still expect him to get there through the air if he ends up playing. But let's say he doesn't end up going. And I do expect that he will. And then we throw Mike Davis into the situation. Would you start Mike Davis or Chase Edmonds? Chase Edmonds. Me too. It's a bad matchup. The, the Buccaneers, the, so the Buccaneers bottled up uh, Christian McCaffrey last year. Earlier this season when Christian McCaffrey was active, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was two touchdowns he got against them, right? He had a okay yardage game but got two touchdowns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense is still top notch I mean I know that game against the Saints just as a whole everything about that offense and defense that entire game was just one of those ones where you say like all right you burn the film throw it in a dumpster whatever the point being is I still wouldn't trust Mike Davis inside the top 10 with that backfield to his he was also starting to limit himself like fantasy wise not he was trying to stop himself but he was getting limited before christian mccaffrey came back was getting some eight nine points in there instead of the 15 plus so i would go chase emmons i know james connor whatever the hell just happened with him i would still go connor and chubb and i'd probably have a conversation in my mind about duke johnson and versus him yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at with him, too. I, I don't love Duke Johnson by any means, but unlike, I mean, part of the case with Null is that he'll have a little bit of the receiving game work. Like, Duke Johnson's going to get receiving game work here if he's on the field 90% of the time. Yeah. Like, who is the next guy and, and, up? For, oh, it's, um, crap. <laughs> I always I always want to say a different name because I want to, I'm just going to pull it up because I always go to a, say a name and I'm going to tell you who the person is. Buddy Howell. Okay. I always think of Bilal Powell. Because of Howell Powell, and that's why. So it's it's Buddy Howell. So technically nobody. <laughs> All right. So twenty one to thirty in the rank. Because I got DeAndre Swift and or I got DeAndre Swift to twenty. Kalen Balage at number twenty one. That goes into J.D. McKissick, J.K. Dobbins, Philip Lindsay, Matt Breda, Gus Bus Edwards, <laughs> Daryl Henderson, James White, Melvin Gordon, and Zach Moss. I don't know what to do with this stupid Patriots backfield. I can't figure it out for the life of me. <laughs> Avoid uh, it. Uh, the rest, yeah, if you can, but sometimes you can't. 31, I have Damian Harris, actually. Jarek, Malcolm Brown, Devin Singletary, Ronald Jones, Jordan Wilkins, Wayne Gallman, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Joshua Kelly, and then, like, I don't... I don't have Rex Burkhead inside my top 40 because, you know, he just had a good week. So that presumably means he cannot have a good week this week, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you would think. Uh, for two of these things out there, and I want to ask if this helps your opinion or doesn't mean anything to you. With James Conner in my waiver column, I do a, a worry section at the top and tell people how worried about players I am. And James Conner, I gave two out of five. I give him ducks. But anyway, you don't have to understand what that's all about. But he's been losing touches to Benny Snell. And the point of this was a tweet that I put out yesterday. Since week six is that both of them, Connor and Snell, have four attempts and two touchdowns in goal-to-go situations. I'm not bringing them up for this conversation. The one that I found interesting, so Henry is the leader. No surprise there, 10 and three touchdowns. DeAndre Swift has seven carries and goal to go since week six and three touchdowns. Despite that frustration there, does that make you hate? Oh, maybe the Swift is really starting to happen. And Adrian Peterson in that revenge game when he's still pissed off about the Vikings, didn't really even get that much work that we're starting to see the change for Swift. Or you still think Patricia is going to keep screwing us over every single week? I think Patricia is going to continue to screw us over. I think that Swift will lead this backfield. But what is leading this backfield? Like 48% of the snaps? Like, that's not great. Yeah. Do you want to know who's tied with Cook with eight rushes and three touchdowns with goal to go? He just said his name. 
Rex Burkhead. Doot, doot. Gus Bus. Oh, Gus Bus. Yeah, Gus Bus loves touchdowns. There you go. He's like the bus from Speed. He's just going at 50 <laughs> miles per hour the entire time. Can't dip below that. Launching in, into a broken bridge in the air upwards. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Love that so, movie. Uh, uh, I, I'm not worried about James Conner at all. I mean, he did hurt his knee in that game for a little bit, then came out for a while, too, against Dallas. So that was part of the concern. But fantasy-wise, other than that dud against Dallas, he'd been really good. Yeah, I think that was the thing is that everybody's it, it was compounded by the fact that it happened against the Cowboys. Uh, Rams backfield. What are we looking at here? Henderson. It, it sounds like Henderson's going to be fine. If it's not Henderson, it's Malcolm Brown. Mm, yeah, I still think until we see Cam Akers get and Cam Akers got some work, but that was because Henderson exited the game. I think until we see him significantly involved with all three healthy you can't even trust Acres at this point. We saw Sean McVay. He's going to get a bigger load, and then he gets one touch. And then after that game, it's, oh, it's because I still need to see more from him as a rookie. He's got to develop a little bit more. And, like, he's just lying out of the side of his mouth. So, yeah, Daryl Henderson, especially against the Seahawks, where you want the explosive running back, although Malcolm Brown's going to steal the goal line work. Indie running backs, I got Wilkins ranked at the top at 36. Like, you can't play any of these guys. You can't, but I would still go Taylor. I know that he had the fumble and like, we talked about it earlier in the show is I don't understand why coaches keep doing this and messing with potential confidence where they're trying to teach him a lesson. He's still your best running back. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Wilkins leads the way, you know, that this continues and carries over and because we really need to send a message that you can't fumble. Guess what? Adrian Peterson was one of the biggest fumblers in the prime of his career. I don't understand why coaches do this. I'm still going talent and I'll still go Jonathan Taylor, but I have zero confidence in that because I have zero confidence in Frank Wright and that team. It's just that entire range for me. Like I, if I could not start a Colts running back, I will not start a Colts running back, but I have it as Wilkins Taylor and Naheem Hines and just watch Hines end up having the really good game. Cause that's frankly what ends up happening. Miami backfield. I don't know if Breda is going to be back or not. If he is, he's the one I would play, but let's say Breda sits out. Would it be DeAndre Washington who they just traded for? Because it's not, uh, I mean, tr- trust, trust me, as someone who was just on the Jordan Howard train, not great. No, it's not Jordan Howard. I actually had him as a sleeper last week, but that touchdown was why. It's like, good, you're going to get 10 touches, probably a touchdown. And it'll who knows what the yards will be. The funny thing was, is heading into that game, I think he had one more yard than carries. Like, it was like 23 for 24 <laughs> yards or something stupid like that. But the touchdowns, I'm with you. I, I spent a ton of my fab on Brita last week. I did that before the news broke because that earlier fabs last week and then the news broke that Brita was hurt. I still think I like you. He is the guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Washington, similar to the conversation we were just having about Alfred Morris or if Lamar Miller gets called off a practice squad for the Bears, that Washington's guy, we've seen him in place of Josh Jacobs just last year perform quite well. So let's say for argument's sake that there is no Matt Brita and DeAndre Washington is active. I would probably just Swap the names. I'd probably put DeAndre Washington right around Matt Breida at 25. Do we worry that there's this, I don't want to say loyalty to Jordan Howard since they made him inactive so much of the time earlier this year, but (laughs) I guess as we saw last week that once he can't get going, they're just like, all right, you're not getting the ball anymore. (laughs) I wouldn't be too worried because as you said, the fact that he was inactive for several weeks tells me that there is not a lot of loyalty there because you made him inactive. So but there's a concern of the Dolphins. I mean, what if it's a Patrick Laird game, similar to like the James White of the Patriots? You just you don't know with this backfield. Uh, any more running backs you think we should talk about before moving to receivers? Mm, not really. I think that 
you've hit on all of them. I, I think the conversation we'd be frustrated with again, if you want to hit it now, is just if there is no Chris Carson, is it DJ? I mean, DJ Dallas saved his day. He said he's him and Wayne Gallman. God, they're so frustrating because they're not good and they should be RB3s, fours, but they're saving their days with touchdowns. Uh, I was, I, I made this actually, I do it in a, a live show every Friday evening on FTNDaily.com. And I was talking it through with Kyle Murray and have heavy on that show. Like they were talking about DJ Dallas and playing DJ Dallas. I was like, look, Travis Homer was hurt last week. I, it's not that DJ right. Dallas isn't going to do anything, but Travis Homer's going to play a role in this offense and be on the field. They just, they weren't able to promote Alex Collins last week. They were able to, like two weeks ago, they were able to do it this week. He's going to end up stealing carries away too. Like, Homer's going to be the one that's using the passing game. It seems like I don't want to play any yeah. of them. Uh, if, it, if Carson and Hyde are both out again. So I just wouldn't play. I just wouldn't worry myself with it. I'd probably play Homer. Tell you the truth. Yeah, I would play Homer as well. So yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. Wide receivers for <laughs> the week. I have likely in Debo, Ayuk, Elshon, and Alan Lazard. Likely out. Preston Williams, Chenault, Nikhil Harry. Uh, no, I have Harry's in, sorry. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay, and Adam Humphreys, Julian Edelman, actually out. Uh, the Nikhil Harry thing is an important point because of my ranking of Jacoby Meyer, as we were discussing before the show, where people are going to be like triggered that I don't have a number one for the week or something like that because they, they watched the <laughs> Monday night game. How could you not start this guy? But number one in the rankings is actually Devontae Adams against Jacksonville. He's a pretty good player, I heard at least. Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephen Diggs, Tower Lockett, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, and Will Fuller V. A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Parker, Travis Fulgham, Cooper Cup, Robbie Anderson, even against the Bucks, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson uh, are my top 20. Anyone inside that top 20 who you do not think should be inside the top 20? Mm, the top 20 as a whole? No. As somebody who should be not as high as he is. Who? Like, Tyler Lockett. Okay. He's got... He's got two huge games. Uh, Tyler Lockett, so I, I mentioned this because people are worried about him, so he was in part of the worry report too. Last year, before their bye, he had one bad game, and then DK Metcalf really took off in the second half, and then it was a roller coaster. It was good week, bad week, bad week, bad week, good week, good week, bad week. Like It was just all over the map. It was a roller coaster, and that's what he's doing this year again. Two huge games, two eh games, and a couple really bad ones. I know that he could finish here, but similar to DJ Moore, and similar to Will Fuller, I like you don't have to do it, but I said two weeks ago that DJ Moore was just going to be my wide receiver 18 the rest of the year. He's just wide receiver 18. That's where I'm putting him. If you want to think he's higher, you want to think he's lower, that's fine. I'm doing the same thing with Tyler Lockett. They're probably going to be 17, 18 the rest of the way because he can finish top 10, but more often than not, he's been outside the top 15. I just look at this matchup against the Rams and think to myself, huh, where are the Rams really good on the outside? Where does Tyler Lockett patrol on the inside? So that makes those completions presumably a little bit easier. And I could listen, I, the same thing, same was the case for the Bills last week, and it did not play out that way right. whatsoever. But just trying to trust the process here, as I was able to do it the two weeks before and got these two guys right. So <laughs> the Rams have a 7.7% TD rate to passes in the slot. It's six highest in football. They give up a 77% completion rate to the slot. That is the highest in football in 9.5 yards per attempt. The second highest Lockett has 26 slot catches to DK's two and versus the perimeter. They have a 3.6 touchdown percentage. The third lowest in football, a 54% completion rate. The third lowest in football, a 7.2 yards per attempt. The sixth lowest in football where 94% of DK Metcalf's yards have come out wide compared to 49% of Lockett. So just going by that, 
That's why, that's my justification for having Tower Lockett so much higher. The problem is DK Metcalf is so good that sometimes it doesn't matter. That's what I was about to say. So you can't see it, but I would do this with all that stuff you just said. And do, there, that's because I just threw away a piece of paper because DK Metcalf makes this all not completely irrelevant. I completely agree with you. I just mentioned at the top of the show why I didn't do well in DraftKings because I had a ton of Tyler Lockett because I agreed with you. The problem is, is DK Metcalf ruins that because he's just so damn good. Sure. I have them both inside the top 10. I just think this could be an explosion week for <laughs> Russell Wilson. Like, I just because uh, well, because once again, this doesn't come down to how I do my rankings versus how everyone else seems to do their rankings, where they spit out projections, put them in. Like, if I have Tower Lockett, I'm not sitting them. I'm just not. If I have DK Metcalf, I'm not sitting them. Oh, I'm I, not. Regardless of I'm the not, matchup. You're not sitting wide receiver 18. I had to get a, for Thank you, Paul, for not switching over to me. I had to go get the piece of paper because Barkley was starting to chew on it. Uh, Look, you're you're not sitting 17, 18, 19 anyway, like Adam Thielen. So I understand what you're saying is you just start who you're going to start in order. But for even that, and you get, what are you? You're not benching Thielen. You're not benching DJ Moore. You're not benching Tyler Lockett. So although you do have DJ Moore down in benchable territory, yeah, I, I just I've been kind of like I said, I've been off of him for ages now. Just I don't like his his big game. I guess he is very similar to Tyler Lockett in that regard. But this is just a brutal matchup although i think both he and anderson went over 100 yards in week two against tampa bay i just have more faith in robbie anderson right now i do too and now curtis samuel is just unstoppable all of a sudden the fact that you get rid of ron rivera and you unleash and unlock curtis samuel and just get him touches similar to cordell patterson but being significantly better uh i was pulling up dj Moore to see against tampa bay yeah eight for 120 against tampa bay in week two yeah they actually, the offense you know, wasn't all that limited. I mean, McCaffrey saved his day with the two touchdowns. I think he was like 18 for 56 on the ground, four catches for 30 yards. But once you add in those two touchdowns, knowing that McCaffrey is going to get the goal line work and he's very hard to stop down there, is that that's always factored in. That's why he wouldn't be ranked. That's why he's better than Mike Davis kind of thing, that he can salvage his days <laughs> like that fantasy-wise. No surprise. That's why he was the number one player going into the year. And if we were to draft for the rest of the season, it, presuming he was healthy, he'd probably be the number one player again. Uh, him or Delvin Cook at this point, I suppose, or or Kamara. Yes. But I would put Kamara third. We saw the immediate impact on Michael Thomas when he's out there. It just kills, not kills. It almost cuts his ha- passing game work in half. True. Um, DJ Chark, are you buying last week? Because, like, the air yards on DJ Chark were off the charts from the, the Juice Lutner. <laughs> So I am okay with DJ Chark. I would also consider him a sell high if people are going bananas over it because this week, this matchup. I I don't think that they are, though. No. Well, okay. The athletic people. Some people are. Some people are asking in the waiver column. And I'm bringing that up for context. Not everybody is. But this is why, you know, you do this all the time. You talk about how people are like, not in my league. And so, like, this thing, like, you know, Antonio Brown, perfect example. We just talked about him earlier is, Antonio Brown, as soon as you pick him up, people was like, if you can get a top 15 wide receiver return on it, do it. Not in my league. Nobody's that stupid. Yet I have a million trade questions talking about, should I send Antonio Brown for blank? I had somebody ask, should I send Antonio Brown for Michael Thomas two weeks ago before Michael Thomas was back? So these things could happen. So DJ Chark, if you get wide receiver one value, because he gets Jair Alexander this week. And I do have faith that Luton likes to look to DJ Chark, which is great. But guess who else liked to look at DJ Chark? Gardner Minshew, they just weren't connecting. He was still seeing double-digit targets most weeks. Alexander could shut down Chark, and if he shuts down, ch- shuts down Chark and Luton has an off week, people are immediately going to bail and get all that concern they just had with Chark two weeks ago. So 
yes, I feel good about Chark because of that volume, but at the same time, I'm not ready to say that he's definitively top 15 wide receiver the rest of the way. Could be a nice week to play Keelan Cole on DraftKings, now that you mentioned yes. it. Yes, yes. Because Chenault's likely out. Yeah, so, Chenault's yeah. probably not going to play. Anyway. Uh, Although, he did go to Conley a, a decent amount. Luton went to Chris Conley in that game more than, than Keelan Cole. Snap-wise, it's just Keelan Cole was always out there, where, right, where right, Chris right. Conley wasn't always out there. But maybe he'll end up filling in for Chanel. We'll see as the week goes along uh, and just try to see if we can get some rumors out of uh, Jags camp to see see how they're feeling. Remember D.D. Week. Westbrook? Well, he, Whatever he, happened to him? <laughs> he's out for the season. He, he like blew out his knee on a special teams play. Did he? Yeah, like four weeks missed, ago or something. I, 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 he was irrelevant at that point already. So. Yeah, he, he wasn't playing offensive snaps. He was just playing, <laughs> uh, just playing special team snaps. Maybe we get some two L. Co- maybe we get two L. Colin Johnson in the mix this week. Godwin still <laughs> the only Tampa receiver, like the best of the receiver. I, I have Antonio Brown over Mike Evans this week. I would too. So I'll bring up the comparison. I think I've said to you before. It's the Cowboys Dak Prescott version, just slightly lesser. It's you know Godwin is Amari Cooper. Antonio Brown is CeeDee Lamb, and Mike Evans is Michael Gallup, which means Mike Evans is the most concerning. He's the red zone option. He's the touchdown option. He's the biggest air yard option, but he's going to be the most inconsistent option. So, yes, that's how I would rank them going forward. It would be Godwin Brown, Evans every single week until further notice. Uh, like I said, I just think it's the Cowboys with Dak, just slightly lesser version. They're not quite all top 25. It's kind of more, you know, wide receiver two, three, and four. Yeah, I well, not quite four, but you I, if you look at the rankings, you might see that. I have Chris Godwin at number 19, Antonio Brown at number 27, and Mike Evans at... Oh, I hadn't gone that far. Where are you at, Mike Evans? Where do I even... You Mike... have a wide receiver five. Wide receiver 49. He's basically the <laughs> wide receiver version of Jerome Bettis now. <laughs> you hope for a one-yard touchdown? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where do you have Gallup in compare? Oh no, wait, they're on a buy. Yeah, they're so on a buy mind. this week. Uh, it's, it's Who would you rather start at this point? I'd probably still start Mike Evans, but at least okay. at least Gallup gets all the air yards. Like he's a guy that they do throw to downfield. That if he gets a touchdown, it could be like a seventy-yard touchdown. Right. So I mean, Mike Evans is starting to get some of the air yards, but the biggest issue is we talked about is Mike Evans, when Chris Godwin has played almost a full game, even before Antonio Brown showed up on this team, it was 20-plus percent target share. Godwin every single time, and Mike Evans was around 11%. It's just, if Godwin's out there, Mike Evans just ruined. Well, if you had to rank the Pittsburgh receivers the rest of the year, I would go Deontay, Claypool, and Juju. How would you have them? I would go Deontay, Juju, Claypool. I think it's kind of similar is Claypool's got the biggest upside. Claypool can finish as the best wide receiver any given week. He's getting the air yards. He gets the touchdowns. But if you're talking about opportunities, he's still third in this mix. I like him better than I like Mike Evans. Deontay Johnson, the big question with him is if he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's the guy. It's just inconsistent of whether he's healthy even within the game. Uh, Juju, I think, just just started to come back to life because – they're kind of using them how they need to use them. And they just weren't earlier in the season. They're like, Hey, we'll get away with this. We're getting away with that. We don't really need you. And now that Ben Roethlisberger has become Drew Brees ish, like this check down short intermediate route type of guy. Juju's got a little bit of life back. So I would go Juju slightly ahead of Claypool, but the gap is much narrower than the bucks are. I would just take Claypool because of the down, like all of the air yards on the Steelers right now are with chase Claypool that if he's going to, and they, they're using him enough on these like bubble screens where he's piling up, you know, like three for 30 on those. Cause he'll one of three, he'll break a tackle and go for like 23 yards or something like that and get like four on the other ones. But even in the Dallas game, like every time they took a shot, it was with Claypool every single time. 
No, just, that's certainly fair. I was he actually, did, he, he I just was didn't come up, down with any of them. <laughs> no, I was actually pulling up week nine to see what their snap and routes were just to see if Claypool is out there almost as much. So 45 routes, 43 for Deontay, 39 for Claypool. So he's getting close. He's getting closer than he was a few weeks ago. So he's playing fewer. He's running fewer routes than the other two guys. But on the Steelers, he accounts for 41 percent of the weighted average that has the team targets and air yards put into it. So where he's lacking in the snaps, he's making up for just deep. It's probably because he's running so many deep routes is that he's he's sprinting down the field. and He needs to check out for a sec. The sad thing is against that Cowboy in that game, that Ben Roethlisberger's air yards just sucked. It was 9.9. Claypool led the team 7.1 for Juju and 6.9 for Deontay. That was just that Ben Roethlisberger's become I'm serious. He's become a short to intermediate passing quarterback. Yeah, he, he's basically he can still throw the ball a really long way. He just can't complete any of those passes. So he's basically just Drew Brees, <laughs> but with more incompletions. I was going to say he's Eli Manning. Yeah. Uh, 22 30 Sterling Shepard against the Eagles. I assume Slayton will be slay on Slayton, but I, I'm not too concerned. And he hasn't that. been good. No. He has two good games this year. Uh, who? Slayton. Yeah, Slayton always has that upside built in, though. And this is a matchup where I can see him doing pretty well. So Shepard. Uh, Shepard. Shepard. Okay. Judy. Boyd. <laughs> T. Higgins, Tim Patrick, Darius Slayton, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore at number 30. That's into Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brennan Cooks, Alan Lazard, Jalen Rager, Marquise Brown, Cole Beasley against the Cardinals, who are terrible against slot players, Christian Kirk on presumably the other side of Tredavious White, and Mike Williams against the Dolphins. Um, it's and then Jacoby Myers at number 41. If we want to talk about that, I just think Harry ends up coming back. Uh, and if Harry is in there, you have the lethal combination, Jake, of Jacoby Myers likely won't see 482 targets in a game. He's no longer playing the Jets and he's playing the Ravens. It's just not quite the opportunity Monday night was for him uh, in a game against the Ravens with more receivers back. So I actually think it's a good thing if Nikhil Harry's out there. Oh, yeah, it, it has to be a good thing. When you can get 80% of your team's targets because no one else is playing you, you just bring other people back into the mix. No, because the Ravens won't have number one coverage on Jacoby Myers for the entire game. The one area you can attack the Baltimore Ravens defense, just like last year, and not to, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's something you target every single week, but the one vulnerability they have is the intermediate passing game. Uh, tight ends sometimes do well against them. Jacoby Myers plays the Julian Edelman role. Jacoby Myers is going to get plenty of targets, even with Harry back, because Harry's going to pull the outside coverage, likely Marlon Humphrey or whoever else is out there. So that's why I think it's good, because now if Henry or Harry is out, who the hell cares about Demir Bird? So maybe you drop a little bit of that coverage into the slot. Maybe you double team Myers and do what you what you're talking about. It's like, well, then we'll just take away Jacoby Myers, try to beat us with Bird and the rest of the crap options you have. So yes, I it's you you can joke it, but I like the situation better for Jacoby Myers if Harry is out there, and I would play Jacoby Myers right around Juju Smith Schuster in that volume short to intermediate route type of type of game honestly yeah i'm just not playing any if i can help it i'm not playing any patriots receivers against the ravens they're not playing the jets uh, yeah if you can help it but you you're also the one that's like i said that if you can help it is the running backs and you said well some people might need to so i'm telling you why some people might need to and they can feel a little bit better if harry's out there i would listen if i'm going to play jacoby myers i would really want uh Nikhil harry to be out of this game just so he can just get it get there through attrition if he's going to get these like seven yard passes anyway just give me 20 of them just target, target i think the he still gets them with harry out there 
We'll see. Uh, Josh Reynolds against the Seahawks. I have at number 45. Before the bye week, they had stopped playing so much 12 with the Rams, and all of a sudden, Josh right. Reynolds is back on the field a bunch. He's doing stuff again. Yeah, they were starting to run quite a bit of 11, actually. So I think Josh Reynolds is a decent flyer, but he's in this group that you have of a flyer. It's basically your third wide receiver. It's the Juju Smith-Schuster. It's, you know, Mike Evans, different styles, obviously. A.J. Green, the third wide receiver on any team is going to be dicey. Like David Moore, like what? Well, David Moore is all of a sudden the thing. You still have him down at 61. I'm not saying you're wrong to have him down there. It's just that's why I'm always going to be hesitant to trust a third wide receiver. I would still go Marvin Jones against Washington, despite the fact that Washington's front is really good and it makes their defense better. But if you told me the number one versus the number three on the team, I'm going to take the number one. I mean, I, in terms of like market share, Danny Amendola is going to be the number one on this team. That's why I have Amendola higher than Marvin okay, Jones. Okay, fair. <laughs> That's a, hey, that's a fair counterpoint. Uh, Touche with that one, but I okay. The number two, I'd still take Marvin Jones over the number three on the team. Uh, it, this is very specific to just the Seahawks secondary. That there's a reason that I have David Moore down, where he's going to be playing on the outside against this. I mean, regardless of what side he lines up on, he's going to have elite coverage on him. Where on the other side of the ball, I think the Seahawks don't stop anyone. Yeah, it's fair. I'm just telling you where I would go. Okay. Uh, anyone else you think, we, like, what do we do with Curtis Samuel? I have a number 51. It's a bad matchup against the Bucks. Start him. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know, like, because he's going to have, like, one of these one for seven weeks again. Like, it feels like he's going to, like, trade off almost like the old Will Fuller problem where it's going to be, like, bad week, bad week. Oh, I'm going to bench Curtis Samuel, like, 38 fantasy points. It's like, oh, God, great. <laughs> I, I think that if you're looking at this range, that's a good range. It's the thing with Curtis Samuel is this is either too high or too low. It's like Curtis Samuel gets you three points or Curtis Samuel gets you 15, 20 more. So, yeah, I, I, I understand the trepidation. I understand if you want to get him in your lineup, I'll leave that one up to anybody watching. If you want to start Curtis Samuel, fine. I'm not going to argue against it. If you want to bench him, fine. I'm not going to argue against it. It's Curtis Samuel. Pick your poison. He's great on DraftKings. That's where you want to play him. Can you start any of the Colts receivers? Mm, not at this point. Yeah, Pittman would probably uh, be the best know, one. Maybe Marcus Johnson. I would, I would think so. Marcus Johnson missed a potential big play in that game, so I just I don't know who it's potentially going to be in a given week. If you told me talent wise, it would be Pittman, but you know it's whether or not Philip Rivers. Where is he looking in the game? If he's looking to his tight ends, if he's looking to the slot with Zach Pascal, uh, in this same range. Their pass defense hasn't been good. I think you have to put Nelson Aguilar higher at this point. No. I, like, no. I might, I might drop him into <laughs> Why not? I, I might drop him into worse place. Like, no. Just hard just pass. Just because you hate him? Yeah, I don't like him. Okay. I'm well, never, I'm, he deserves my, to be higher on his my, play. They're my rankings. I can't envision myself <laughs> ever playing Nelson Aguilar. Okay, well, it's, okay, it's like Mark Ingram. Rip the name off the jersey and pretend you don't know who Nelson Aguilar no, is. I, and you're yeah, playing him. Yeah, but the, these are not, like, ambiguous rankings. They're Pat Mayo's rankings. I don't like them. <laughs> Hey, you are setting you are setting I've, yourself up for failure if you're playing Nelson Aguilar. No, it's look, you're setting yourself up. It's going to happen at some point, but it hasn't. It, ha yet. it happened and two weeks you, ago when he had like zero points. No, okay, so what? One game out of what? How many? Five. So five out of the last six games. He's better than Darius Slayton. I'd still rather play the upside of Darius Slayton. I'm looking right now. Yeah, one bad. So twelve. 13, almost 14, 19, 0, and 13. So, four touchdowns. It's, 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 I understand. Look, if he doesn't score a touchdown, what's the difference between Darius Slayton doesn't score a touchdown? They're the same wide receiver is what I'm saying. 
I I like the youth of Darius Slayton, and I like the fact they're probably going to be down in that game, where I think the Raiders are going to be a little bit friskier here running the ball a bit. We didn't talk about Josh Jacobs. Um, are you worried about Josh Jacobs and his like the, the amount that Devontae Booker is playing all of a sudden? I'm just inherently worried about Josh Jacobs health-wise, usage-wise. It seems like there's always something going on with him. Like you mentioned, the usage seems to be an issue. Then it seems to be, oh, they ran him 30 times and he's not feeling 100%. And like, it's just always something with him. But you have to start him. He is an RB1. You just have to. So, But that's why if you get a trade, I understand trade deadlines. Again, it's relative to who wants to pay what in your league. But you tell me. A couple of weeks ago, I made this argument for somebody that was asking in one of my columns is if I could trade away Josh Jacobs and get James Robinson, I would do it. And I would still do it today, even with Luton at quarterback, just because I don't have to worry about James Robinson. No. And there, uh, remember how much people freaked out week one when Josh Jacobs would get like, oh, my God, he's involved in the receiving game now. Turns out he's not. <laughs> no, that was a fun one. We, it was it was fun and we got our hopes up, but that's definitely not going to be a thing, apparently. So, yeah. And what, and Henry Ruggs, 2021, sorry, you're, you're droppable too. You know, I loved Henry Ruggs, but the biggest, what happened to Henry Ruggs was my concern for Brian Edwards is Brian Edwards was going to be no value this year, which was exactly what happened. Cause he's a rookie playing outside all the time, getting number one coverage all the time. Well, that meant Ruggs can play in the slot. Well, Aguilar is, see, I should actually hate Aguilar just like you do, because I love Henry Ruggs. Aguilar coming out and developing this year has forced Henry Ruggs to play outside more. And now he's the one that's getting susceptible to playing outside and asking Derek Carr to find him deep with top coverage on him. I'm with you on Josh Jacobs. He's a running back one, but he's probably like running back 11, which, you know, or 12. Yeah. I I think that people just value him (laughs) higher. And like, he's never going to break into that top five because he has zero passing game work. And now he's losing snaps. Right. So he's kind of like a lesser version of Derek Henry. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. That's actually a really good comp. He's like the the 80% Derrick Henry. Tight ends for week 10. Tough week at tight end with Kelsey on by and George Kittle hurt. So I have Austin Hooper is in for this week, uh, coming off the bye week after appendicitis. Jack Doyle is out on the short week uh, with his concussion. And then Albert O, he's done. Zach Ertz and George Kittle both on injured reserve. So that leaves Darren Waller as the number one tight end, although he hasn't been good. TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper, Gronk, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, number 11, Jimmy Graham, Trey Burton, Logan Thomas, Eric Ebron, your boy, Evan Ingram, Smelly Dwelly, Mike Gusecki, Tyler Higby, Jordan Reed, Robert Tunyon. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's really no difference between like 1 and 20. (laughs) Uh, it's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, you can make the argument that Jordan Reed after his first game back where he was kind of a break in desperation, like they said, he wouldn't have played if it wasn't for the fact that Kittle was hurt. You know, maybe now he's back towards 100% and could be argued as a tight end one against the Saints who just give up everything to tight ends. One of the top five teams, if you're looking at that. And I'll make, you know, I kept arguing against Evan Ingram for the longest time. But now because his value is finally, people have finally depressed his value because they got so frustrated Finally, off of Evan Ingram, what you just saw last week is why I would push him a little bit higher, just because Daniel Jones refuses to stop looking to Evan Ingram, despite the fact that Evan Ingram is essentially Eric Ebron, EE, dropping all those balls. Just hold on to a freaking pass, dude. But when you're getting double-digit targets as a tight end, you made the argument at running back, how many tight ends are getting double-digit targets almost every single week? And that's why I'll just chase the volume with Ingram. Now I'm on the side of Ingram. So how far up would you move Ingram then? I would play him in front of Trey Burton. Um, okay. 
Actually, you know what? I would even play him in front of Jono. Jono had a good game because he got that touchdown last week and Corey Davis was the one left out. But any given week, Jono is likely the third if Corey Davis bounces back and the Colts are in a great matchup. You made that point a lot this year. The Colts had been the best team against tight ends this year. All right, I'll move him up to number 10, one spot behind Hunter Henry, who's also, feel been, good. Who's also been terrible, and Jonu Smith, who's been terrible at number 11. Fun times. Uh, any other tight end thoughts? Because I have really none. No. Jacob not really. Jacob Hollister played the most of Seahawks tight ends last week somehow. I know. I was kind of hoping I was hoping for a cheap Will Disley surprise Me too. for everybody, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, were you, you on that too? Yeah. Uh I, I, I guess you know what the one question you will get, I guarantee. Why do you have Irv Smith all the way down at 26? What do you have? Two catches last week? They just happened to both be for touchdowns? <laughs> I know. I'm just telling you what to expect. <laughs> just throwing I'm not I'm not making a case for Irv Smith. I'm just giving you a heads up. <laughs> oh, that's fine. They, they can have, I listen, I, I like Big Irv until Rudolph goes away permanently. I I, I just I can't please I can't envision myself ever playing him. If I was the Giants, I would just trade it Evan Ingram straight up for Irv Smith. Just get you know get him freed and get Evan Ingram drop Ingram off that team. All right, quarterbacks. We got some in. It's funny, like so very rarely when I do up my injury stuff in the waiver wire column uh, at the end of Sunday evening and on Monday morning that like quarterback really like, gets polluted, but a lot of it this week. So I have Matthew Stafford with his concussion is currently in. Same as Baker Mayfield for being on the COVID list. I currently have those two guys ranked. Likely out, I have Gardner Minshew out, Kyle Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo for the week. So that leaves Kyler Murray at number one against the Bills. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. There's the top five. You got Tom Brady. You got Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert, Rand Tannehill action. Then Ben Roethlisberger against the Bengals. I'm holding out hope in that matchup. Number 11, Carson Wentz, Goff, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Drew Locke, Tua, Matt Stafford, and Phillip <laughs> Rivers. When you get to the back end, there's some bad quarterbacks with bad matchups this week. <laughs> There are. It's not a great streaming week. Were you saying you were holding out hope is in the fact because of Ben and the COVID? Well, is it Ben with COVID or Ben's knee? No, Ben COVID now. Oh, I didn't even see that. So, yeah, he got hit with the COVID eleven fifty five this this morning. Uh, he sat next to Vance McDonald in a ride home who tested positive for COVID nineteen. So he's in the protocol for close contact. So it's like Matt Stafford from last week. So he's probably still going to play as long as he doesn't have it. He'll play. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's why I asked. I didn't know if that's what you were referencing when you said hopeful. Is no, I, I was more thinking it's just like he hasn't been good. <laughs> oh, yes, same thing. Which, by the way, the report also includes that he's able to still practice on the side and rehab to make sure that knee is okay, even though he has COVID. So I get it. Uh, it's, it's just this week, uh, I don't see much problem with your quarterbacks. It, like, we don't really ever have that big of a discrepancy of quarterback because quarterback's so flat. One touchdown can make a difference. I think the only one I would push higher just for a ceiling because we saw him look more comfortable even in his own skin to say that like he ran, he looked better throwing the ball is Tua against the Chargers. I would play Tua over Derek Carr, but that's probably where I would stop. Just Drew Brees being at home against the 49ers depleted defense. Yeah, but I, I, I think I, Tua I, is I, a little I, interesting. I, I like Carr and Locke in this matchup, just kind of duel it back and forth. Both those pass defenses are just so bad that I think I would rather take the safety. And I'm wondering if, you know, just maybe the Cardinals past events is kind of terrible. And that's why Tua looked kind of good. Yeah, that's fair. Derek or Derek Carr. Drew Locke is essentially Blake Bortles. I love it. Just don't he should be, he should be don't turn it on until the fourth quarter. 
trying to think. Yeah, the best streamer of the week, because I mean, Herbert's owned enough now, Tannehill's owned enough now. It's probably like Wentz or Goff or Daniel Jones, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm seeing who I had. Is, yeah, I had Tua, Carr, and Goff. Those were my top three. And then some people said that, who was, who was the one? Oh, they were saying Tannehill was out there in some leagues. I don't know why, if what, what people dropped Tannehill for, but I don't understand how he all of a sudden got dropped and started floating out there in leagues. I guess they're disappointed with him just hitting 16 points every damn week. Yeah, he's becoming like very Philip Riversy, except for he has these huge ceiling games too. When Derrick Henry yeah. doesn't get going on the ground, so yeah, he's he's, he's got one of the best floors. Yeah, he's and inside, he's still has that my, ceiling. He's my side, my top ten. I like him a lot. Defenses. Before we get out of here, I'll update these on the DraftKings show too later in the week on Thursday. Once more information trickles out about uh, the recent adjusted sack rates on both offense and defensive line, they're just not out yet. I wish they would put those out earlier, Jake. They would help me out a lot. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I'm with you. I wish these guys stayed up Monday night all the way through to Tuesday morning and had these things updated. Agreed. So I got the Saints at number one, Ravens, Steelers, Eagles, Colts, Bears, Bucks, the footballs, the Browns, and the Dolphins. It's my top 10. Uh, that goes into, let's see, the Titans, the Rams, just the Seahawks might score 84 points, but Russell Wilson will take like 13 sacks somehow. The Giants, the Packers, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Vikings. Uh, the, the Bills and Cardinals game is really interesting to me from a defensive perspective because I can see both those teams scoring like a defensive touchdown, but they might also give up 45 points. Right, and if it could all happen at the same time as well, and yeah. then all of a sudden you have relevancy there. So uh, I think, yeah, there's nothing really that stands out to me. Uh, so far, uh, the Cleveland situation against Houston, just to throw that out there as a side point, has nothing to do with this week, but weeks 15 and 16, you know who they finished the season with for the fantasy schedule? I don't. The Jets and the Giants. Ooh, that's spicy. If you want to, if, yeah, that's it's risky because it's the Browns defense. But if you want to stash one and just like throw it on the end of your bench and say like, hey, I'm stashing just because you've been playing mix and match every single week with maybe the Titans and the Rams and stuff like that. It doesn't get much better for weeks 15 and 16 matchup boys. It's funny. Like, yeah, there's a few of them here. Let's see. I, I guess if you own the Ravens, you're doing pretty well with Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the oh, Giants. That's amazing. That's the yeah. best one. Yeah. Cleveland goes after they get Tennessee, Baltimore, 13 and 14, and then the Giants and Jets. Let's see here. Who else has a pretty easy one? I mean, Seattle has the Giants, the Jets, the footballs, and the Rams, 13 to 16. That's not terrible. Yeah. It's not. I just. I don't think I would want to do the Rams just because Jared sure, Goff. Sure, well, I mean, sure. But you. Well, let's see how they do this week in in Los yeah. Angeles, and maybe we can kind of project that out a little bit. I think didn't. Is is it the Bears that have an okay one? What do the Bears have? The Bears have Detroit, Houston, Min, uh, Minnesota, and Jacksonville. Yeah, the Bears have a pretty decent one. Yeah, it's not terrible. Don't use the Falcons. They go, <laughs> no they go, uh, coming out of the bye, they go Saints, Raiders, Saints, Chargers, Bucks, Chiefs, Bucks. <laughs> not great. <laughs> no, not great at all. Actually, the Bucks have, that's why Tom Brady's got the best schedule to finish out the season. Tom Brady, by the way, the last three games after his week 13 bye, Minnesota Falcons, Detroit. Thank you. Pretty good. Pretty. That is pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Anyway, Jake's trying to see if there's anybody else. Yeah. There's not. They can check out your article. 
at theathletic.com. <laughs> you can follow Jake at All In Kid. Uh, his rankings come out at midnight on Tuesday. Mine are already out. You can find them in the description of this video and podcast, just like you can find the Listener's League link. If you want to use and jump into the Masters at all, I highly suggest fantasynational.com slash mayo. We'll get you preferential treatment over there. Uh, and yeah, it's nice. You tell them I say it. And ftndaily.com, ftnfantasy.com. Code mayo gets you access to the premium tools. But I have all the free tools listed in the description as well if you want to go check those out. That will do it for me. Smash the like on the way out. Good luck in week 10. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.